This is the Top Agents Playbook Podcast, episode 170. Welcome to the Top Agents Playbook Podcast, the very best tips, tools, and ideas from real estate's top performers. Now, here's your host, Ray Wood. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. About a month or so ago, I caught up with my producer, Joel Sharpton from Ruston in Louisiana, USA, and we had a great chat. And since then, uh, quite a bit's been going on. So I thought I'd get Joel back on the show. How you doing, buddy? And good morning. Ray, I am. I'm, thanks. Good morning to you, too. I'm doing really, really well. I Honest to goodness, last night and this morning have been a couple of the most like hopeful and positive times since before you and I spoke last time, yeah. uh, you know, the, yeah. the coronavirus pandemic has uh, wrecked havoc on everybody's lives and, and our economies and everything else. But um, this, this current moment feels different, right? It's one of the reasons why when you asked me if I wanted to chat, I was like, yeah, I really do. Actually, yeah. I, it's, yeah. yeah, it's time to talk again. Well, you and I talk not every day, but we talk regularly just uh, via the uh, Voxer app on our phones. Um, and when we started talking about this and then when you told me you went to the march this week, I thought, boy, there's a lot of people that I think would be, in my view, would be would be interested. I've got my own uh, opinions about it. But yeah, last time when we spoke, it was the it was the. <laughs> the I don't even know how to describe it. The w- whatever the pandemic um, is is doing to us and how it's affecting us all. I was interested in in your point of view. May twenty five, um, uh, George Floyd was murdered. Literally, uh, I don't think anybody would argue with that. And um, and all hell literally has has broken loose. And and you know you've you've made some amazing analogies about it, but. I was just keen to get your point of view because I think it's uh, I think it's really relevant, and uh, I th- I think it's very accurate as as to what go- is going on because you know, a lot of people are scared, a lot of people are frightened. Um, the minorities have black friends. Um, it's just yeah, it's it's not it's not a total surprise, Joel, as to what's going on. We can't be surprised. We can't say, "Wow, this came out of left field," because it didn't. There's been there's been race riots. There's been reactions to to deaths to black deaths in custody um, uh, in the U. Not just in the U.S. either, uh, in, in other countries. But it seems to, you know, this violent culture seems to dominate, and that's coming to the fore at the moment. Anyway, tell me about the march. Yeah, I was I was uh, super thankful to be able to take place uh, to take part in a, a march in Ruston um, yesterday. As a matter of fact, as we uh-huh. record this, my son and I, uh, my youngest son, he's ten. Uh, he went with me. Uh, the rest of the kids stayed home. My wife would have loved to have taken part in it. We probably would have taken everybody. We've got masks for the whole family to get out. Uh, but she twisted her ankle like super bad oh, about three or four days ago. Yeah. And so she's, she's laid up at home. Well, okay. that meant that I, was, I didn't want to take the whole family. I talked to her about it. I was like, listen, uh, first of all, my older son said he'd be glad to stay home and take care of everybody. I think he just doesn't like a long walk, if, if I'm being very frank with you. <laughs> uh, the, the two girls both wanted to go. They were so excited about going and carrying signs, but I talked to them each individually. They're six years old, twins. And I said, listen, if we go, we're going to have to wear our masks the whole time. And it's a really long walk. It's going to be like two miles total there and back. And I, I'm just worried that you're going to get tired. You're going to, going to want to take off your mask. You're going to want daddy to carry. And I'm not going to be able to carry both of you. So mm-hmm. I, I don't let, why don't you guys sit this one out? There'll be another opportunity. I guarantee you, cause this is a long road, but let me and Remy go do this first one. 
And so uh, we did, just the two of us together. It was great. He and I had had conversations. You know, we've been talking to all the kids about what's happening in America. And you're right, Ray, this is not new. It's funny that you and I are having this conversation because what was it, four years ago, you and I were together in Chicago for uh-huh. podcast movement while uh, a young man named uh, Alton Brown was yeah. killed in Baton Rouge. And yeah. there were riots and protests and unrest for days and weeks following that. There had been an incident just a couple of weeks before in Texas. And again, it's like with, with this, yes, this particular march was spurred because of George Floyd's death. We, we watched that murder, as you called it, and you're absolutely right. We watched that on video. That's what's spurring this current moment. But just like 30 days ago, Ray, Breonna Taylor was murdered in her home by no-knock police force. Uh, it turns out the person that they wanted was already in custody in the jail, and they knocked on this woman's house, busted down her door, killed her in her bed, and arrested her husband for firing on the police. It, wow. This happens again and again and again. You can't, yeah. there, one story can't disappear before another one happens. And that's why I, I like, again, so four or five years ago now, the Black Lives Matter movement began and it began under a black president. Mm-hmm. I love the words of Cornell West the other day. Uh, he was talking about this very thing. He says, it, it's not, we've tried, uh, you know, people of color in high places. Yeah. Under Obama, we had an African-American president. We had an African-American attorney general. And still, these atrocities were happening. Yeah. You said it so perfectly the other day in one of our private conversations. This comes down to, at its core, police unions. Mm-hmm. That's a hard thing to hear for a lot of politicians in our country. It's a hard thing to hear definitely for a lot of policemen in our country. But that is true. The police unions have an unlimited amount of power, honestly. And in many cities, not everywhere is this true, but in many places across our country, they have turned into not a protecting force. They are a protection racket. And and they are extorting their cities and their leaders. Boy, you got a nice city here. It'd be a shame if anything happened to it, wouldn't it? Uh, you, there are stories after stories after stories about when the police forces are, uh, you know, slightly overseen when a citizen review board is put in place or when their funding is cut a little bit for these military tools that they want all the time, then all of the sudden, uh, response to business calls for, you know, simple issues turn into 30 and 45 minutes in an hour. And when they ask why they say, Oh, talk to your, talk to your councilman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's just, let's just get the, uh, the obvious rider, um, or disclaimer out there that um, you know the 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 vast majority of of police people of the of 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 members of of police forces do an amazing job, and especially in these times, you know they are they are frontliners, and and this is not a hate all cops thing. This is this is just a WTF moment from my point of view as an outsider. Going here we go again. They march and they march and they march, and there's violence. Uh, uh, what's going to happen next time? So, if I'm, and 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 the police chief in in Minneapolis is, is on record as saying this this exact this exact thing, it's the it's the police union. So if yes. I'm a, if I'm a police chief in Houston or Chicago or Minneapolis or Detroit, um or wherever, uh, I can't 
I can't discipline that cop. I mean, this guy Chauvin, who who the the uh, the guy who's um, who's who's on this murder two charge, uh, this was his eighteenth eighteenth complaint. No, this was his. No, let's not even call this a complaint. There were eighteen prior complaints over nineteen years against him. Yeah. So um, I want to. And, and many of those. Guys. Many of those were incredibly – these are not minor infractions. It's not like, oh, he, he tripped the suspect or, you know, he, he, he didn't read the Miranda rights or something. These are serious infractions of, uh, you know, use of force above and beyond the necessity. You're yeah. right. You're absolutely right, Ray. It is not every cops. I told yeah. my son yesterday, I told my 10-year-old, we had a very frank discussion about police. I said, let me tell you something about – let's talk about police for a second because I respect and admire anyone honestly who puts their life into service for others and that's yep. what you do as that's a doctor or a nurse yep. that's what you do as a policeman that's what you do when you're a first responder a firefighter or a paramedic uh you know if, if there are so many a pilot i think is one of those persons who, who says my life is going to be lived at a level of awareness and focus and responsibility higher than the average citizen uh -huh. right yeah. You and I don't have that kind of pressure on us on a day-to-day -day basis, Ray. If, you know, <laughs> uh, a, a real estate sale or a podcast editing job is not the same thing. No. But because they are stepping out in that higher level of res responsibility, we have to support them with a system for training and maintenance and oversight that gives them the best opportunity to succeed and eliminates those who are in it for in the wrong reasons. And we yeah. don't have that system in place now. So that's, the, if you look, the NAACP, for instance, has put out a list, I think it's five or six demands. That's what we're coalescing around. And the mm -hmm. primary one is oversight. We need a citizen review board. We need yeah. local citizens and each individual populace that is being policed to have an ability to say, that is not the kind of policing that we want in our you know, location, in our jurisdiction. Yeah. Um, we have this in so many other places, right? We, we have the ability, if a mayor or a district attorney or a, even a police chief, mm -hmm. if they get out of line, those are in most places elected positions and we vote them out. Yeah. But you can't do that for individual policemen. Yeah. And as you said, in most places, the police chiefs themselves, the actual supervisors, also don't have the ability to they're truly expunge to them. They're yeah. powerless to stop these these repeat offenders, these these rogues. Um, and, and, and they're also desperate, right? They, you no. look around. Look, it, this is a hard job. We, I, think, uh, I think you were the one that shared something about two or three of the officers that were involved around Chauvin had only been on the job for a few weeks. This mm. is not – a police officer cannot be someone without, again, the backing, the support – the education, the resources to provide what we need, which is to protect and serve, not to hunt and execute. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the there were there were four there were four uh, police members involved, police officers involved, and I'm just reading here the uh, there was a couple of newbies, um, and the fourth guy um, I can't find the details. Uh, but he'd he'd had discipline, disciplinary um, action taken against him multiple times as well. Uh, in any case, you made you made a really interesting point before, um, an analogy. You you know, and and I love I love your terminology, pr protectionist racket, which is exactly what's going on. 
but this has also been hap- happening in the in the churches and you know for for the cat like dare I single out the Catholic Church but it seems to be a, a a main offender for hundreds and hundreds of years and it goes unchecked unchecked well the the reason why the Catholic Church needs a little bit of specific and I'm a big fan of Catholics in in general I'm a huge fan of of uh, Pope Francis in particular I'm a Methodist myself so I'm I'm not that far off the main branch but the reason why Catholicism was particularly um, vulnerable to this kind of malfeasance is because of the hierarchical nature of it, right? There is a, such a structure of the organization itself. There is, there is this built-in authority of the priests, and there is not only uh, the authority of the individual priest, but there is the sense that any, any public... Um, addressing of error then shifts and takes away the power and authority of all the others, right? Yeah. You don't trust your individual parish priest if you found out the next parish priest over was a pedophile. Yeah. Now that's in, in truth, that's not, that's not accurate. I don't think, I think honestly, when we have transparent and open systems, we begin to trust those systems more. When we, when we can show over and over again that a corporation or a group or an organization can weed out the bad actors within it, I, I lean more into that, not less. I don't think, yeah. wow, they've got a bunch of bad people in there. I assume they're getting the bad people out. Yeah. Now, maybe that's not the general public perception. And that definitely wasn't the understanding for the Catholic Church because that's why they hid it for so long. And yeah. I think that's the same thing going on with the police, right? The police think if we give an inch if we ever allow citizen oversight, then we'll never be able to do anything. All of us will have to be prosecuted for every little, you know, but here's my thing. That's, first of all, it's not true. Again, mm-hmm. as you and I have both said, most cops are good guys, good mm-hmm. women. They're trying hard to do the right thing. They got into it for the right reasons. They go home at night proud to serve their family and their community, you know, they're building relationships with people that don't look like them and don't act like them maybe, but again, are human beings just like they are in these communities that they serve. That's a good cop. And there are tons of them. Their fear that their authority and their, you know, ability to do their jobs will be undermined by oversight is incorrect. But I do understand it. I understand why the system is so reluctant to change. Mm. But change is needed. And Ray, that's what I really want to talk about today is that I feel like it's in the air. There is, I've gotten two messages from friends today that, that said this morning, they said, doesn't it feel like the conversation is changing? And it does. I, and I honest to goodness think, not like Rustin is something special, but Rustin is an example of other things that are happening. There were three small towns here in Louisiana specifically that, that I know of that had events that were well attended, attended above and beyond the expectations. Mm. Ruston had somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 people show up. The town oh. is only about 25,000 total. Yeah. That's a huge turnout well, for it's... an event like this, particularly in a very conservative town. Thibodeau, Louisiana, which is super conservative, had a huge turnout for the, you know, several hundred people for their Black Lives Matter march. Uh, uh, what, was, what was the other one? Uh, Alexandria had you know, like three or 400 people show up. Lafayette's had a big march. All of these cities that, again, are not, these are not liberal bastions. You know, mm-hmm. These are LSU fans voted for Trump overwhelmingly in almost all of these areas. And yet, they have black friends. Mm-hmm. They have you know, African-American people in their life 
that they are finally hearing yeah. and, and, and people are beginning to have the conversation one-on-one. Hey man, you know, I, I've never really thought about it, but when I get pulled over by the cops, I'm not, I mean, I'm scared of a ticket. Mm. You know, I think about, oh damn, I've let the, you know, inspection sticker expire, yeah. but I don't ever think about getting shot. Yeah, the and wisdom. their black friends say back, no, but I do, you know, every day, whether I'm doing anything or not, I am constantly looking around at my surroundings. And finally, white people like me, you know, middle-aged, <laughs> heteronormative white guys are going, oh, oh, hell, yeah. that is not, that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little wake up. There was a, there was a very interesting uh, article I read about uh, Magic Johnson, the the the, the former pro basketballer, um, who's who's a legend, obviously, and him having the talk with his two sons, uh, you know, about you know what to do if you're pulled over, and uh, he he he's like. You know, we we have to do that. Um, the the fact that the fact that he has to do that is is amazing. Um, and uh, like these marches in Louisiana, I mean, Louisiana has a fairly rugged history of of you know of of hate crimes and race crimes and and and, and when we go back in time and and um, uh, as as do as it's not the it's not the only southern state, but I mean this is not California or New York either. Um, and uh, it's. It, it amazes me that that I, I guess the concern is if something's not done and and it, and I know it's not simple, but if the unions aren't depowered, if that power can't go back to the 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 commanding officer of of the police force, the police chief in 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 the centre, if they don't get the power to switch these guys off and say, "I'm sorry, you can no longer be a member of our police force because you've got a really bad track record." The same thing's going to happen again, Joel, and there'll be more marches and there'll be more violence and there'll be more fires. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I like, and, and look, dare I make this analogy if you, if, if you really want to go there and I'm happy to, um, is, is the gun massacres and, and mass murders and, and the people come out and walk in the streets and say, um, you know, we, we need to, we need to make some changes to our gun laws. Nothing seems to happen. Then there's another mass murder just goes on. It, it is, it is very similar, right? And they're not, and again, I don't think that they're disconnected. I think that those two uh, issues are in fact tied together. We have as a, a, an American culture, and that's why, like I look at my kids and I, I talk to them a lot about, we're going to change the entire culture. One of the things, and I talked to you about this in our last episode, the coronavirus has offered an opportunity for a worldwide reset in a lot of different directions. I think industries are going to change. I think governments are going to change. I think uh, citizen uh, behavior is going to change across the board in a lot of different ways. Some that we already see happening, many that we can't imagine yet because this thing is far from over still. Yeah. But this is another example of that. Uh, and, you know, these things, these things happen when all of, this, all of these different issues are bubbling under the surface. Yep. And when, I mean, it happens in our bodies too, right? We have lots of different things that are maybe wrong with us. And when we finally get an infection, then all of a sudden the arthritis flares up too, mm -hmm. or the asthma kicks in again, or we have a setback and, you know, whatever, another flare up of this other thing. This is exactly what's happening here. It's yep. not one issue. It's many that are all coming to a head at once. Yep. But I, again, I see change these the small town rallies mean something the fact mm -hmm. that you know you can have thousands of people in the street in new york thousands of people people in the street in los angeles that's not 
surprising, honestly. Mm-hmm. That is, first of all, it's you have massive population centers there, period. It's just a lot of people to choose from to get activated about anything. Yep. But also, we know that those are areas where there's a much more liberal mindset. You have people yep. who are, yeah, those are, those are more blue states to begin with. But also, they are people who are more plugged into what's going on specifically in the moment. Mm-hmm. Always the rural areas have trailed in fashion and in music and in all the different things The you know, culture sort of washes over the country slowly. This is a moment where we're all on board. There have been marches and protests and rallies in all 50 states, mm-hmm. Ray. Yeah. So it's, I, again, I think the moment is here where people are really starting to listen. We're actually having a continuing conversation. There was one of our local leaders, uh, a guy named Sam Speed, who I've known since I was in college. I love him to death. He's a, a, a great, um, well, he's just a great mentor in a lot of ways, but he's also a great activist in this way. He straddles these worlds very well. He's an African-American man himself, but he, uh, he works very well with the local you know, white power bases and they understand him. He can talk their language in a way that makes him incredibly useful in a moment like this. Yeah. But he said about the rally after we were done, we knelt, you know, we marched, first of all, a little over a mile to the, to the uh, uh, city hall. We then, uh, uh, the leader of the march spoke for a second and we knelt in silence for eight minutes and 46 seconds, which is exactly how long Chauvin yeah. knelt on George Floyd's neck. Yeah. And let me tell you, Ray, just kneeling, period, for eight minutes and 46 seconds is not very comfortable. Kneeling in the heat, uh, you know, after you've been walking for a long way anyway, I, I felt myself shifting and, and uh, oh, a little tightness there, a little soreness there. And I thought, what if someone was literally choking off your air supply for this long? It was an incredibly powerful moment. But when we were done with that, Sam said, is this going to be a moment or a movement? And I think mm, it is honest to God beginning to be a real movement. The yeah. activists have been on this, Ray, just like you and I said earlier, for four or five years already. They were in the streets in Ferguson. They were in the streets uh, in Baton Rouge, you know, years ago. Yeah. But now the makeup of the crowd yesterday was probably 60, 50 white okay. uh, to African-American here in Ruston. That mm-hmm. says good things to me. When, you're, when we're marching downtown, the business owners were out on the street waving, holding signs themselves. Many of them had coolers with water passing out to the, to the marchers. Um, and then again, these are overwhelmingly middle-aged or older white business owners here. Yeah. And, and they seem to be aware mm-hmm. and listening and trying to be part of a solution. And boy, that makes me hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a lot of work to do. This is not just about Trump. This is not just about, you know, a couple of members of the Republican Senate. This is not just about police unions. Yeah. This is not just about, you know, AR-15s and, and overwhelming arsenals of weapons.